let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Today we pray that those who lie here have found peace with their creator and we resolve that their sacrifice will always be remembered by a grateful nation. The fallen give silent witness to the price of our liberty and our nation honors them this day and every day. Would you stand as we sing? Thank you. 
Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that we have a time that we can, as a congregation, remember those who through the wars and military service have lost their lives so that we have the freedom to gather in this place where there are so many places around this world that it is not the freedom. And for many of us, we don't know what that ultimate sacrifice is like from family members. But God, the incredible grief of the loss of men and women on their families, on their friends, defending the right and the rights of this great nation that we believe that you established from the very beginning from the Judeo-Christian beliefs. And I pray that, God, we would not ever forget and we would not dismiss the great sacrifice. But to God, we would be thankful. And we would be grateful. And we would never forget. Father, you know what a great sacrifice it is. For you saw your son die upon the cross at Calvary. You experienced that. It was your plan, not only the physical agony, but, Father, the spiritual battle that took place so that we might have not only the freedom of choice, but the freedom to be able to have a right relationship with you because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and his resurrection. And so I pray. God, we will remember those who have given their lives in service. At the same time, we'll be challenged to be citizens of this great nation that you established in the way that we should be, according to biblical godly principles. And that we would be willing to sacrifice in our own lives for your kingdom, whatever you call us to do. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome on this Memorial Day weekend to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We're glad that you're here, and if this is the very first time that you have been here, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to fill out the guest card that is in the pew in front of you. If you haven't already filled one out, just fill it out. It's right by the hymn book. As you leave at the end of our service today, we'd ask you just to put it in the, the uh, offering boxes when you leave, and we would certainly appreciate that. A little bit later in our service, we're going to uh, have the opportunity to hear... Uh, for a few minutes, one of our IMB missionaries. Uh, it's always, always good to, uh, to have Carla Jackson with us. Uh, her and Steve, uh, they have been how many years now in Mozambique? 18, over 18 years. So she's back for a couple of weeks. She has close ties with, uh, with our church, and we're excited to hear about how she's doing with some recent surgeries that she had and also the work in Mozambique's. Uh, Carla, when the time comes, we'll look forward to hearing from you, okay? All right. I think it's time for us to continue our time of celebration.
Ms. Nancy. I invite you to stand again as we sing Our God Reigns. If you would like to keep standing, you may. Great is the Lord Almighty. The Lord reigns. He is mighty God. The Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns. He is mighty God. The Lord God reigns. When the children of Israel. Children were dancing as old Pharaoh sank down, lifting up a mighty, joyful sound, singing, Great is Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Great is Lord Almighty, He is God supreme. Great is Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Great is the Lord. 
God, you are Lord God Almighty, and Father, we love you so much. And this morning, Father, we praise you for the opportunity to come together in a setting like this where we can worship freely, God. Father, we thank you for our country, and today especially, Lord. As our pastor said, we remember those who gave their lives fighting for the freedom of our country that we can sit here today and worship you. Father, I pray that you'll be with their families and loved ones, especially those, Father, who have recently lost their lives in conflict. And God, this morning, I thank you for the opportunity again to be here. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. God, those of us who know you and love you in a personal relationship, Father, that we might spend our lives shedding the light all around for others to see God, that we love you. Help us, Father, to be brave in our telling others about you, about your son who came and gave his life, that we might have eternal life. Father, I thank you for every blessing that you give to us. And as we continue in our service this morning, Lord, would you be with us, and especially, God, as we go out into the world again. And, Father, I pray for our country, Father, that you would spend, send spiritual awakening God, for those who don't know you, Lord, that as in days of old, you would pour out your spirit once more upon our land, Father. We don't deserve your love because of the way we've turned our backs on you, but God, you are a merciful and a loving God, and we know that. And we ask if it could be thy will, Lord, that that might happen, and that for those of us who know you, that you would send revival to our hearts. And Father, we know that there can be no revival without repentance. So I pray that each of us might look into our hearts and our lives and see what is there, God, that we would repent. And thank you so much for all that you've given to us, the blessings upon this country. God, be with us. Help us. Lord, we love you so much. Be with our service now with our pastor and every element of everything that happens this morning. We lift your name high and honor and glorify you with all our hearts. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 
Good morning. I'm really glad when I, I was asked for the opportunity to share with you a bit. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Well, let me begin by saying that I've heard of your faithful prayers for me these last year or so concerning my niece. I really appreciate that. Um, the answered prayer in the hearing of my niece, in the patience as the first month is a very slow process. Um, so thank you. God answered your prayers, and I appreciate that very much. Um, July of last year, at the end of July, is when I had my first Ptolemy replacement. And it was bad enough I was on crutches a couple months leading up to that. So it was hard coming out because it was weak going in. And then March of this year, I had the Ptolemy replacement of the other one. And it's going good. Um, I look forward to July because by that time the, the inflammation on the inside should be gone so that I don't feel pushing through the movement every time like I do now. But it's good, it's getting stronger. So thank you very much for your prayers. I appreciate it. Um, my, even though, like Steve, my husband and I, we do live in Mozambique, but for like major medical stuff like this, we go to Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, sometimes we go to Nairobi, but most of the time we go to Johannes, South Af Johannesburg, South Africa for major medical stuff, and um, that's a real blessing. Um, it's hard to be separated from where you live and where your ministry is. I, I was gone for like nine to ten weeks each time, and that's hard, that separation. But I'm grateful for the provision, and uh, Lottie Moon helps cover that expense. Um, Although I will say, you know, medical here is very expensive. It was about 20% the cost in Johannesburg. So anyway, um, Steve and I, we have been with the IMV since December of 2004. We had a couple months training, and we set foot in Maputo, Mozambique, the capital city, in March of 2005. So that's over 18 years. We arrived with four small children. They were between the age of five and a half and eight and a half. They went through their school years there, came back here and did university. And um, so now Krista, our oldest, she's 26 and a half. This month she just earned her PhD in sciences and is working in a lab at the university in uh, Columbia, Missouri. And she's enjoying that. Um, Abby is 25. She's in North Carolina um, at the seminary, working on her master's in biblical counseling. Bethany is also 25. She's also in North Carolina, a few hours from Abby, and she is joyfully busy uh, planning her September wedding. So, um, and then our youngest, Jared, he is um, 23 and a half. He is in California, working on his master's in business. And he's married now, almost 11 months. And so each of our kids are doing well in the path that God has set before them. Um, back to Steve and I, our work in Mozambique. With IMB, that's the International Mission Board. That's a mission sending agency, or arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, Steve is a team leader. We're, um, we're responsible for the southern three provinces of Mozambique. And um, on our team, there's another family in the capital that's responsible for urban strategy. 
Um, we have a journeyman there for a couple years, and he's going to be working. He's just now finishing up some language and going to start working ministry with um, college students and campuses. And then we have another family that's like six hours north of us, and they came to reach out to an unreached, unengaged people group. So now they're engaged. They are coming to Christ. Um, the population is so large, they're still not um, reached, but um, it's exciting to watch the spirit grow and the kingdom grow with Shopi people. They also work with some other folks up there around them. Um, of the different things on Steve's plate, um, well, let me first say something that he will probably not tell you when he's here. <laughs> His first several years, he was building relationship with the pastors there in southern Mozambique, and most of them were the Baptist Convention of the country. They were the leadership for that, and he built relationship with them, and that was really good because things were kind of tense um, between our organization and the convention there, and through the relationship that he built and working with them, it rebuilt that good working relationship. It's good, it's cooperative, it's supportive, and um, that's one way that God used Steve in our early years. Um, of his other responsibilities, there are a couple things that he really enjoys is his time with Nico, our journeyman. Um, and he looks forward to helping him get started and, and see his vision come to life in working with the college students. He also has, um, maybe not every month, maybe every other month, he will take these search and survey trips. Um, into the inland because there's a the main highway is kind of along the coastline well there's a lot of country inland and and it kind of gets neglected because it's not on the beaten path so what he does is he takes two or three days and he drives up there and just explores where is a village how many people are here are there any churches what are they and um, he chats with the people there almost every time he goes he takes one to four Mozambican pastors with him and the good thing about that is now they're excited. They've caught a vision of reaching beyond their town and seeing the need in this inland area that is kind of neglected. And it's not easy to get to. So those are a couple things that he really enjoys that he does now. Probably one of my favorite things that I do is a discipleship group with four teenage girls. They're like between 16 and 18 years old. I've known them for a while. The first time I met them, was in a greeting, reading group when they were like eight years old, teaching them how to read. Um, we started a Bible study in July of 21, and by September, October, in their own time, they each chose to follow Christ. So now we're working on discipleship, trying to lay a really good, solid foundation for them. Um, what the Bible is about is not just stories, but to see how God is in all of them, and it's all a redemption story available for all of us now um, and how to just when they read it don't just think of it as just the words that it is but what does it mean and how can we apply that in our lives how can we live it out that's a little hard for them but they're catching on and that's exciting to watch um, so they've also they have learned two evangelism tools they know creation to Christ and they know the Romans road Right now, we're working on them writing their story, a couple of them, where they take an aspect of their life, and then the time that they met Christ, and then 
how Jesus has grown or changed them in that aspect of their life. Um, and that's where we are now. Um, so I love them dearly. So it's always a joy to be with them. So I apologize for not having pictures or videos today. That probably would have been more interesting, but we'll have those later um, in, in the fall. We will be back here for stateside into um, next year. So Steve and I, we both look forward to getting to know y'all better. I know there's a lot of new faces there. So we look forward to getting to know y'all better. So thank you again for your prayer support, for our work, and as well as our personal needs. If you would pray for Nico as he begins his ministry work with um, the college students. Pray for my girls um, that are in the next village over, that they will, they will grow in confidence in sharing what they learn and what they know, to share it with their friends or their family. And then also pray for the Mozambican pastors, that they will hold on to that vision and continue to think beyond their city. And, and creative ways to help each other, support each other to get out to where it's hard to get. Um, so I thank you again for this little, little introduction of who we are and our work, and thank you again for prayers for my knees. I'm looking forward to more activity, that's for sure. So thank you and God bless. Thank you, Carla. <clears throat> Tell the Good News, I think, is an appropriate hymn for us to sing after she shared, and we will, after Tell the Good News, hear from Linda Lapore with our scripture reading for today. Christ was born in a distant land. Tell the good news, tell the good news. Lived on earth for the good of man. Tell the good news, tell the good news, tell the good news, tell the good news, tell the good news that Christ has come. Tell the good news, tell the good news, tell the good news to everyone. Christ became a
Our scripture reading for this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, and also verse 14. Join us in the sharing of these verses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We are blessed today by the sharing of this scripture, for these are the words of the Lord. Thank you. 
There's something about ladies' voices, isn't there? We finished up our series on the book of Philippians, about 15, 15 messages, I believe, on that great book. And we pivot today and next Sunday in a focus on Moses and the burning bush. This morning, I want to talk about confrontation with God, specifically addressing I am that I am. Confrontation is probably one of the most difficult actions anybody takes. How many of you love confrontation? <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> but you know, the reality is that at some point in our lives, we most likely will come across a time of confrontation. It is vital for a healthy, growing relationship with a business or office it's beneficial to those involved because they can sit down and talk about issues that they must address to clear the air, to look at procedures, to look at any personality differences. And it reveals much about any and any individual or both individuals that might be addressing those issues. Francis Schaeffer wrote, Truth always carries with it confrontation. Truth demands confrontation, loving confrontation, nevertheless. If our reflex action is always accommodation, regardless of the centrality of the truth involved, there is something wrong. And so when we have to address things, matters of truth, it is inevitable that there will be confrontation. The whole of the religious life focuses only on one point, and that's your personal confrontation with God as He is. Not as you have conjured up in your mind, not a picture that you've painted by taking select passages of Scripture and say, well, this is, this is who God is. Some love to take an understanding of God by all these various religions and just taking the pieces that they like and putting them together and forming their own idea of who God is. But that would be incorrect, not truthful. The reality is we have to understand who God is and confront Him as He is. All other personalities, all other activities, all other emotions, all other institutions of religion lose any meaning apart from the confrontation with God as he really is. And I think that's what we have here with Moses. We have Moses herding sheep. And he sees this bush burning. And he says, well, that's an interesting sight because it's not being consumed. So I'm going to go and look at this strange thing tells us it was not a common experience and in reality our confrontation with God is not common either what we see is that the circumstances that led Moses to the very moment that he came face to face with God may have a parallel in your own circumstances of life God comes to us with the same methods that he came to Moses 
The living God always takes the initiative to confront you in your life as it really is. Not what you think it is. Not what you would like for it to be. It's not a, a, an idea of a Facebook post. Because you know you only see good things on Facebook, right? Everybody's life's better than everybody else's. But in reality, that's probably not true. But life as it actually is, that's when God confronts us. And we have this understanding, this moment, where God can become real to us in the circumstance of our life when we realize where we really are. So I think in this passage there are three things, three keys that are important to understand with our confrontation with God. The first key, I think, is, is preparing to meet God as He really is. God moves your life toward a confirmation and a meeting with Him that can be confrontational. And you may or may not be conscious of His invisible hand pushing you or pulling you toward Him. But he continues to do that because he wants a meeting with you. He wants a meeting with you that is genuine and real and special and not just out there somewhere, but directly, face to face, as it were. The hand directed Moses for 80 years to the confrontation that he had at the burning bush. So it wasn't quick. God had continued to, to move in Moses' life, continued to have him go through all these different experiences for 80 years to come to this point where God confronts him with what he wants him to do. 80 years. Well, that means God could still confront us today, right? Yeah. <laughs> How does he do this? Well, God prepares with devastating events. Forty years earlier, if you remember, Moses was expelled from the Egyptian court. It comes out of Exodus chapter 2 and verse 15. He moved from the, the palace to the pasture. He moved from the companionship of princes to the companionship of sheep. I'm not sure that you could pinpoint anything else that would be more devastating to someone in world history. Because for 40 years, Moses was in shock and reflected on that shock and that bitterness and that final exit from the Egyptian palace. The devastating event in your own life can always be a God moment times when you you get that devastating news or it seems like your life has been turned upside down and through that god god has a moment with you because he has your attention he will speak to you in those devastating times god also prepares through isolated places God sent Moses, the Bible says in verse 1, to the far side of the desert, literally behind the wilderness. 
far away from the camp of his clan. So he wasn't just at the back of the wilderness. He was beyond the back of the wilderness. That's how isolated he was. <laughs> and so Moses went to something that was new, something that was different, something that was uh, at a higher grazing grounds. But the reality is it was a place of loneliness, a place of silence, a place of isolation. The word Horeb means dry land, desolation. For him, Moses found himself in a sterile, barren, bleak, rocky place. And I wonder, have you ever found yourself in a place like that? You have found yourself in a place where, you know, things seem to be going well, and all of a sudden, everything turned upside down, and you feel isolated. Maybe isolated from your kids, isolated from friends, isolated from what you used to have. Well, we find that Moses what was utterly driven to a place in this isolation where he could only think about God alone. God meets you when you're in that isolated place. He did with Elijah. Here with Moses. He finds him in a place that he never thought he would be. He was a prince. And now, now he was nothing. He was devastated. And he was isolated. God meets you when life isolates you. It might be a human loss, loss of a spouse or a child or a loved one. It might be an illness. It might be a move, a transition in your life. But God awaits to speak to you in that time of isolation. That's where your life is. And he's there to meet you. Also, we find that God prepares in humbling activities. For 80 years, Moses, through these 80 years, going from a prince to, to being a, a shepherd, <laughs> at 80 years old, he was still taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Now you think about that. He didn't own any sheep. He didn't own any land. He was still taking care of his father-in-law's herds. Uh, don't you think that'd be a little humbling? <laughs> he didn't own anything. Egypt was faded in his memory. But also what was happening at these 80 years is he began to realize that his own life was ebbing away. His mind felt like he was, he was toward the end of his life and he looks back and what have I accomplished? What have I done? I'm still, I'm still just a shepherd for my father-in-law. The dreams of achievement and leadership long been drained like a pot of water in the desert sand that he walked upon quickly faded 
shock, rejection, bitterness had died in the pasture with the sheep. So if God has humbled him to a place where finally, through all the events of his life, he sees this bush burning and God says, this is the time for everything you've been with, through, everything that you thought you'd given up. When your life you felt was ebbing away to absolutely nothing, I care about you. And I have something I want to confront you with and something, a purpose I want you to do. And I would say to each one of us, if God has humbled us, it's his path toward the burning encounter with you. So don't miss it. Because he wants to confront us. He wants to speak to us. I realize, talking to our church, that every day you are in the scriptures doing your devotion and you're praying to God, but this is something far deeper. This is something where God and you are having a very direct conversation. And maybe in your restlessness, and maybe in your isolation, and maybe in the devastation of what's happened in your life, in the midst of your humility rather than an ego, God says, okay, now you're ready to hear. That's what he wants to do with us. If you remember, the Lord Jesus Christ was prepared in somewhat the same way. His life began in devastating circumstances. We don't speak about that a whole lot because we focus upon his birth. But the reality is that uh, very soon after his birth, he had to literally, with his family, escape to Egypt. Why? Because children under two years of age were being murdered to try to eliminate this king. And then for the next 30 years, he lived in kind of an isolated place, working in a carpenter's shop. It was a good trade, strong trade, admirable. But that's what he was doing. And that happened until heaven opened up and the Spirit of God fell down when he was at the Jordan River. And you hear those words, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And his public ministry was launched. And I think that may be what we're trying to talk about today. It's not just the ongoing, average, everyday life that we have, even in the midst of retirement for so many. The reality is that God has a word for you. And he brings you to places in your life as you are, where he wants to reveal himself as he is and what he has for you in this next stage. And I think that takes us to the second point, experiencing the realization of meeting God as he is. You know, God always takes the initiative. He's the one that brings about the meetings. And he does it normally in those special times when you least expect it. Might be times that you're crying out to him. And yet, after you're crying out, you just go about your business. But God all of a sudden reveals himself in a very real way. 
On that particular day, Moses was doing what he was doing every other day. He was herding his sheep, the flocks. And all of a sudden, he got his attention. There's something burning on the hillside. He said, I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to go see that strange event. And so there was this willingness to go see something different. And then God confronts him. There are two things about how God confronts us. One is that God takes the initiative by engaging us. In the case of Moses, it was the thorn bush. It was burning, but never consumed. Moses knew that God had presented himself, had revealed himself through trees and fires. The scripture is full of those kinds of events in the Old Testament. But here is a tree that is burning up, but not consumed. And in the midst of that tree, he hears the voice of God. Unlike anything he had ever heard before. You see, God is always setting bushes on fire, calling for you, engaging you, grabbing you, if you're listening. Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote in Aurora Lee, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes just think of the times that maybe God had tried to reveal himself to you but you were busy you had your own agenda you were on your own path you you knew what you wanted to get done you knew the desire of your heart you knew knew what you wanted to do And maybe you just didn't see the fire that God had, the engagement, the reaching out, the taking of the initiative to say, I, I have something for you. And so God got Moses' attention. And I think that we ought to be in this perpetual understanding of being sensitive to God enough that when he comes down and takes the initiative to engage with us, that we hear him and we see him. God also takes the initiative by instructing us. He instructs us by what we see. <clears throat> a, uh, a bush that burns up but doesn't get consumed and continues to burn, that would get your attention, I think. But you know what? That bush was just a regular old bush. wasn't anything special about that bush. You see, the supernatural had entered the lowest part of the natural world and burned up without destroying it. But it was the supernatural. It was God who did that. And God around us always is speaking, is trying to engage us, is trying to instruct us. If we're listening, if we're watching, if we're sensitive... I always get excited when somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, you're not going to believe this, but I was reading some scripture, and it was just like this explosion. I've read that scripture a hundred times, but today 
it said this to me that was powerful and meaningful, and it's changed my course. It was a burning bush. This is the way God does it. You see, he enters your natural life, and he shines. The bush is only the vehicle. But he wants to shine in your life. And that's what God did with Moses. God will burn in Moses for now the next 40 years as he leads the people of Israel not only to confront Pharaoh, but to lead them to the very border of the land of promise. And even though Moses had to deal with the grumbling and the griping and this whole crowd of people, anywhere from 600,000 to 2 million, all the way through, wandering in the wilderness, all, dealing with all of the details, <coughs> He did it because there was a fire burning in him. Because God had given him this assignment. It did not consume Moses, but he had that fire to get them where God wanted them to be. And I think that's God's desire for you, even though our outward person perishes he will renew you day by day by day to do what he has called you to do. What he has confronted you with and says, this is it. This is where I want you to be. He also instructs us not only by what we see, but also what we hear. He calls us by name. In verse 4, four he says, Moses, Moses. <laughs> Moses has been in isolation for a long time. And here, the creator of the universe remembered his name and spoke out to him. Moses was a nobody there. He was somebody the first 40 years. The last 40 years, he wasn't. And you may be at a stage of your life like that, that you think, man, nobody really knows my name. I've, I've retired, and that which built me up over the years and that which I was proud of and and really where I got my confidence it's now gone and now I'm sometimes like a ship without a rudder but you always have to remember that God knows your name just when we think that God has forgotten our address he summons us he calls out to us he confronts us by name he tells us to come close not too close though because we see in verse 5 he says take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground so God is revealing himself but God's not just the man upstairs the big guy we become so informal with God because we want to be friends and buddies with him and we are that but it's not not like that. When God really is really present, there's always fellowship and fear. There's always approach and awe. And that's exactly what Moses felt. And this ought to keep our private devotion time that happens every day, at least maybe once a week, as well as our church life, not just Sunday morning, but our church life of everything that we do that goes on, it ought to keep it ablaze because we never know when God is just going to come down and shine and reveal and move us and encourage us and inspire us. 
the last key is knowing the identification, uh, identification of God as he really is. So he prepares us in those difficult times of life, as I've described, he encounters us. And if we're listening, if we're, if we're trying to hear and, and engage with God, he will be there. And he wants us to see and he wants us to hear what he's doing in this confrontation and what he desires to be accomplished. But now knowing the identification of God as he is, no moment compares to the moment that you meet God face to face. And I'm not talking about the point of salvation. I'm talking about that time that you will never forget. And God reveals his name to you. The name of God is not merely an identity. In reality, God's name resounds with his character and his reputation and his power. He says in verse 14, I am. Moses was very familiar with the, uh, the gods of Egypt. He knew them well. He was trained in them for 40 years. But now God was revealing who he was. And it was simply, I am. God's name means his continuity in history. He's the God of Moses' father, Amron. He's the God of all the patriarchs. God had not spoken like this for 200 years. The last time God spoke like this was in his dealing with Jacob. And so this was special. We encounter the same God today. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's not ancient history. That's continuity. And God reveals himself through the continuity. That's what his name means. And it, what does it do for us? Well, it means that he keeps his promises, he keeps his covenants, and he keeps his plans. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's what his name means to us, that he never wavers. He doesn't get hot and cold. He's the constant, and he's the constant that knows your name. Also, God's name means his activity. Many scholars uh, translate the name of God in verse 14 as, I will be what I will be. This means that God is active and he reveals himself to us, not only in his relationship with us, but also in his activity in our lives. So not only is there a relationship where I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and His Spirit comes to live inside of me, but also He reveals Himself through His activities through my life. Allowing Him to be the Lord of my life. The name of God is not a password and it's not a secret code to get into heaven. God gives his name to us 
in the midst of our active relationship with him. And Moses, now for the next 40 years, as he guided the Israelites to the land of promise, he would learn the name of God. All about it. Who he is. In our New Testament, this side of the cross world, it's called sanctification. That when we have a relationship with God, the rest of our lives, we will be growing to understand who God is. Understand how he engages with us, instructs us, how he confronts us to say, this is what I want you to do. So, for those who might think that they have arrived, that they, they have all the spiritual knowledge that they need, that would be incorrect. If Moses spent the next 40 years learning about who God is, let me tell you what, we're going to spend the rest of our lives striving to understand who God is and his son Jesus Christ. All about him. It's all about the name, his relationship with us. We also see that God's name means his immediacy. Verse 14, he is the I am. He is not going to meet you in the past or your future, but it's right now. In this razor-thin time, right now, he wants to meet you. Moses could simply have just ignored the burning bush and said, ah, it's an anomaly, but you know what? i got to keep my head down here where the sheep are. And he would have missed that opportunity to encounter God. And I'm asking you this morning, don't lose this razor-thin moment to hear what God has to say. Because he wants to encounter you. And he wants to confront you. He loves you and he has that relationship with you through Christ but he wants you to experience him and his name and his character and please don't miss that encounter father as we move into our time of invitation our our just request is simple Help us to not lose the opportunities and this opportunity to hear your voice and to respond to you. Whatever that might be. For some, it might be a call to salvation. For many here, it's just to say, be observant, be sensitive, hear what I'm trying to communicate to you of who I am, because I am. And so God, for each one of us here, help us to hear, help us to understand your initiative, and help us to say, okay God, here I am. 
whatever you want me to do, I just want to continue to encounter you and deepen in my relationship with you and learn more about who you are because you are everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand in for our invitation. If God has spoken to you in some way, we ask you to come, please. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the seated please I would appreciate that I want to refer you to your bulletin there are a number of announcements there there are sign-up sheets for various things listed in the bulletin in both lobbies Kathy Shire if you would be coming I want to recognize you as a member of the personnel team and Carol Woods would you come and join us on the platform Team. I'd like to recognize Carol Woods for her tenure. On behalf of the personnel team, I'd like to recognize Carol for 10 years of employment here at First Baptist Church as our financial secretary. <laughs> During your time here, you've been an inspiration to so many people and a good friend to many others. Thank you so much. <laughs> Carol, Sunday School class would like to show our appreciation that you have been such a dedicated teacher. And now we congratulate you. And as you go, God's protection will with you so that you can encounter this new and exciting adventure in your life. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. This is Carol's favorite thing to be up in front. <laughs> so we want to prolong this just as much as we possibly can. This is for you, Carol, to say thanks. Carol, as Kathy said, has been our financial secretary almost 10 years. She started May the 31st of 2013. So she's coming up on her 10-year anniversary. Her last day of employment was May 18th, and we are going to miss her as she travels to Washington State to be close to her son. Her job was, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> her job was her ministry. Oftentimes, I heard her say she felt like that was her ministry. And one of her greatest joys was helping other people know their need for Christ. 
and she, I no doubt, will continue doing that as she leaves us and goes elsewhere and starts a brand new chapter of her life. So Carol, this is a treasure chest of love. Many, many cards. Many, many cards. Would you stand as we express our love to her? Dr. Kennedy has a word, but we want to express our love to you by saying thank you. Hey, Carol, would you come down here Kathy, now? Kathy, too, with us. That's a good-looking treasure box. It's heavy, and don't forget that envelope there. You might want that sometime. Um, I have been here uh, next week will be uh, ten, or five years. You've been here ten years. And I will never forget that uh, as soon as I came in, uh, I think you gave me, you might have been giving me my keys. I know you gave me my credit card. <laughs> and uh, you, uh, you had a big old smile on your face, and you were excited. And um, you said, listen, I'll take care of everything. And you did, step by step. Two things that I, I really stick out to me is that Miss Carol uh, would always say when I left her office, I love you, Pastor. Do you still love me? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> and the second thing that I remember is never, never go into her office without being announced, knocking on the door or something, because it'll startle her, and she says, I don't know, or throws things, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so don't ever startle her. Uh, I learned that pretty quick, and yet I still had fun doing that from time to time. <laughs> we are going to miss you. Ten years is a long time, and you have had, as has been said by Kathy and by Nancy, you have had a great ministry um, through your Bible study class, those ladies, you just invested in them, and through the work as a financial secretary. Um, I am going to miss how you deal with our benevolence uh, because you have this keen sense of people. You, you just can sit down with them and know uh, if this is legitimate or if they're trying to take us for a ride. <laughs> and uh, you know how to do background works. And, and just that was a tremendous ministry because you would talk with those individuals. And folks coming in that needed prayer, you know, they, they'd sit and talk with you and, and uh, just share with you. Sometimes you'd take them back to the prayer room. Sometimes you'd go other places. But but just spending time in prayer. And so this has been a ministry, and we deeply appreciate that, and God smiles upon that, okay? In just a moment, when we close in prayer, and Jim Jasper is going to do that, we're going to ask you to stand right here in this beautiful treasure box. Put it right here, and don't forget it. <laughs> but folks are going to come around here, and they're going, to, uh, they're going to give you a hug, maybe shed a tear or two, might shake your hand, but uh, all of that is your family here saying we love you and we're going to miss you, okay? Okay, all right. Jim? Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus who shed blood. We, have, uh, we are saved. We have relationship with you. 
Lord, thank you for your word this morning, spoken through pastor's sermon. Lord, help us to take that to heart. And Lord, we thank you for this Memorial Day when we honor those who have served and who are serving in the military, and especially the, those that gave their all. And let us consider Hebrews 10, uh, where it says, and consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And Lord, as we go from the church gathered to the church scattered, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, help us to witness to those we come into a contact with in our words and our actions. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.